Well, beloved, I invite you to turn in the back to your Psalter hymnals to Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 36 and 37. Uh, both of these Lord's Days teach us what it means to confess the third commandment. And you could find these Lord's Days on page 890 in the back of your Psalter hymnals. And so I'll say the question, if we could respond together with the answer. So question answer 99. Dear Christian, what is God's will for us in the third commandment? That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. In summary, we must use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in everything we do and say. Is blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing really such serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent and forbid it? Yes, indeed. No sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than blaspheming his name. That is why he commanded it to be punished with death. The Lord's Day 37. But may we swear an oath in God's name if we do it reverently. Yes, when the government demands it or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. Such oath taking is grounded in God's word and was rightly used by the saints in the Old and New Testaments. And finally, may we also swear by saints or other created things. No, a legitimate oath is calling upon God as the one who knows my heart to witness to the truth and punish me if I swear falsely. No created thing is worthy of such honor. Amen. And now we'll turn to the Ten Commandments and... We'll find that on Exodus chapter 20. And we'll read the Ten Commandments up until the point of the third commandment here. This is a great section for you children as well to try to memorize if you don't already have the Ten Commandments memorized um, in your minds to be able to rehearse these are really important for us as Christian believers as we think about uh, the things that please the Lord. So we'll begin in Exodus 20 and we'll read up to verse 7. Again, this is God's holy word. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. May he add his blessing to the reading, to the preaching of his word this evening. Well, how important is someone's name? 
You know, our names are important to us because they're connected with our identity. If somebody uh, mispronounces your name, uh, you get a little bit offended, perhaps, if they butcher it, and maybe you want to correct them. Uh, We also care about the reputation of our names. Uh, We place our names on our businesses, maybe on a logo or on a website, and we want to make sure that our name is represented well by others. If somebody misrepresents us or slanders us, We take that personally because it brings dishonor to our name and to our reputation. Well, as we think of the third commandment, we are thinking about God's name and its connection with God's reputation. And as we'll see in this commandment, this goes far beyond simply the words that we say, but it also is connected with how we bear God's name in our lives as Christians. As Christians, God wants us to bear his name and to live in such a way that people are pointed to the greatness of God and to the glory of Jesus Christ. And as we think about this commandment, we're going to use this structure tonight to focus our minds and hearts on the third commandment. First, we'll simply consider what does this commandment mean, especially in its original context. Second, we'll consider how do we break this commandment as God's people and as a, as a culture. Third, we'll consider how does Jesus fulfill this commandment for us. And then finally, we'll look at how do we, by the Spirit, now walk in this command. And so first, beloved, what does this commandment mean? Well, in context here, this commandment comes in the context of God's great salvation of Israel. The preface to the Ten Commandments, again, is this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. In God's deliverance of his people Israel, he actually placed his name upon this nation, his covenant people. This is the name that God revealed to Moses back in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And again, he says, say to the people of Israel, the Lord, that is Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. You notice as you're looking at the Ten Commandments, God actually refers to himself in the third person for the very first time in order to call attention to his special covenant name, Yahweh, what we see in our translations, a capital L-O-R-D. In scripture, names often tell us about someone's character, right? You might think of Eve's name. Adam named her Eve because she would be the mother of all living. Abraham's name means he is the father of the nations. Children, you might remember that man, Nabal. His his name means fool, and it's connected with his character. Well, here in our text, we're reminded in Exodus 3 that God reveals himself as the great I am. And this is a statement that points to God's self-existence, self-sufficiency, and supreme sovereignty. God reveals himself in such a way that he is reminding us as creatures that he is totally different from us. He's not like the gods of Egypt who have all of these visible forms who could be likened to something in creation. No, Yahweh is the creator above all in a category of his own. There are other names in the Old Testament that God uses to describe himself. One of them is El Elyon, which means God Most High. You can see that in Psalm 77, speaking of God's sovereignty. There's the name El Shaddai, which means God Almighty, highlighting God's power. You see that in Genesis 17. 
There's the name El Olam, which means God everlasting, highlighting God's eternal character. You can see that in Genesis 21. But the most common name that God uses in uh, the book of Exodus is that name Yahweh. Again, it's the words translated in our text, L-O-R-D, capital L-R-I-D, showing that he is the covenant God of his people, Israel. And he says, you shall not take the name of Yahweh, the Lord your God, in vain. And so what does that mean? It means first that we are not to misuse God's name with our words. That's often what we think about when we think about this commandment, not using uh, God's name wrongly with our words. This word in our text, you shall not misuse the name. It could also be translated, you shall not take the name or bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. Um, in legal situations, especially in the Old Testament, like today, when people wanted to swear an oath, uh, they wouldn't put their hand on a Bible like we often do in the court of law today, but they would lift up their hand and they would swear by God's name. As the Lord lives, they would say, and then they would you know, say what they needed to say. And God says he doesn't want people to swear in his name falsely. Uh, people in the Old Testament could misuse God's name. They could did it for false prophecy. Jeremiah 14, verse 14 says, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. People misuse God's name in things like sorcery, using God's name as a kind of secret code to try to make certain things happen, manipulating God. In all of these situations where God's name was used falsely, the common denominator is that people were using God's name for their own advantage. And so God says, don't misuse my name with your words. And second, he also says, don't misrepresent my name, misrepresent my name by your life. This word to take God's name could also be translated to bear God's name. This means that as God's people, we wear God's name, as it were, every single day. Uh, this idea of bearing God's name or taking God's name upon our life is actually seen in the Old Testament in the priesthood. The same verb in this commandment is used for the priests in Exodus 28:12 and Exodus 28:29, And it's used of the priests and how they would bear the names of the tribes of Israel on their breastplate as they went into the holy temple of God. The priests were representatives of the people and they would bear the names of the tribes of Israel before God in prayer. And that is a visual example of what we are doing as people who bear and wear God's name. Why did God save the nation of Israel? According to God's covenant with Abraham, he blessed them so that they could be a blessing. In Exodus 19, the Lord bestowed upon his people Israel titles like this, treasured possession, kingdom of priests, holy nation. He brought them out of Egypt, saved them, set them apart so that they could glorify his name among the nations. And God is saying, as you live before the nations of this earth, as my treasured possession, don't misrepresent my name. Old Testament scholar uh, Carmen Imes says that we bear God's name as a kind of invisible tattoo. I like that. It's good because tattoos are permanent and you also get a tattoo from somebody else. Many of us know the benediction that we heard even this morning from number six, the Lord bless you and keep you and so on. But do you know the words that follow right after the benediction? In number six, God says, 
so shall you put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The benediction symbolizes for the people of God that he is placing his name upon his people so that as they go out into their life, they remember that they belong to God. And as they go out into their ordinary labors, they're to faithfully represent Yahweh, their God. For us as New Testament Christians, God places his name upon us in our baptisms. Even as we saw this morning, we don't have to wonder who we are or who we belong to. We're reminded at baptism that the name of the triune God is placed upon us. And we're called to respond in faith to his promises and to bear his name faithfully in our lives. As Christians, we recognize, don't we, that we do fall short of that high calling. And so our second point, our second question is this. How do we fall short of this command? We hear of what it is, right, of not misusing God's name with our words, not misrepresenting God's name with our lives. And so how do we fall short? We fall short of this commandment, beloved, when we do blaspheme God's name. When we speak about God without reverence, we profane his name. That word uh, profane means that we treat something that is sacred as ordinary or common. Uh, That's where that word profanity even comes from in our culture. We profane God's name when we use God's name as a swear word, as you hear today, people using the name of Jesus Christ in that way. Uh, We profane God's name when we use God's name flippantly or without any gravity or weight in our hearts. We see this all around today, even in our culture. God's name and the name of Jesus is put upon, you know, T-shirts in silly ways. We hear the name of God cheapened in comedy shows. We hear people casually speak of God's name. We see people use God's name just to express a surprise. OMG, right? We sing the name of God sometimes without joy or reverence in our hearts. And in all of these ways, we are saying God's precious and holy name without the gravity that it deserves. We fall short of this command, beloved, when we use God's name to build our own earthly platforms. And you see this especially in politics on the extreme right and on the extreme left, right? How easy it is to treat God and Jesus Christ as simply a mascot for our own earthly agendas. I can remember when the Capitol riots were happening, you saw uh, posters and images of Jesus, right, wearing the M-A-G-A hat, right? It's a poster that brokes all three commandments that we've just been studying, right? Idolatry, making an image of God, and obviously blaspheming God's name. But on the other side of the political spectrum, on the far left, you see people connect Jesus and his message of love with some kind of sexual ethic that's totally at odds with God's word, right? People are trying to take God and claim God for their side, and in so doing, beloved, they are taking the name of God in vain. Whenever we try to force him into our own sinful, earthly agendas, we are misrepresenting his name. And God in this command is saying, I have not given you free reign to use my name however you desire. I remember visiting a church member in Canada and their son had a painting company, his own painting company. Uh, But someone in the States actually stole his logo and his name, uh, his, the name of his painting company, and even the email. I don't know how that worked. Uh, but they found out, of course, this person who stole um, the person's company logo and name and email. And of course, the person got in huge legal trouble. You can't just do that. You can't just steal someone else's name and logo. There's something called trademark, right? And in the same way, God is saying, there are no 
unauthorized uses of my name. And God takes that very seriously. Leviticus 24, 16, he says, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. Sadly, we see even for God's people in the Old Testament, they misrepresented the Lord in their life. Israel fell into the same trap. They failed to honor God in the sight of the nations. They looked to Egypt for their security and for their support. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, they broke God's covenant. They did not represent him faithfully in the world that they lived in. And so they ended up in exile and away from the presence of God for a time. We see God's uh, faithfulness to his own word here that he doesn't hold his people guiltless who takes his name in vain. And so what did the people need? What do we need? They needed a new heart. They needed to be cleansed of all of their idolatry, but most importantly, they needed inwardly to be given a heart that would honor and fear the Lord. And we read of that in Ezekiel 36, God's promise to do that. His concern for his own reputation, the Lord says in Ezekiel 36, 16, it is not for your sake, Israel, that I am about to act. I will vindicate the holiness of my name. In other words, I'm going to make sure that you, Israel, and all of the world knows that I am the holy one who is worthy of praise. And because of God's previous covenant made with Abraham, God would not forsake his people He bound his name to them forever. And so he would make sure that his name would be glorified. And he did that by sending his son, Jesus, to be our savior. So thirdly, beloved, how does Jesus fulfill this command? Well, as mentioned before, the names of God tell us something about the character of God. And if you want to know the supreme name that reveals the invisible God to us, it is the name of Jesus. His name, you remember, was divinely given by God. Matthew 1:21. the angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph didn't have to do what we often do when a baby is on the way. They didn't have to debate any baby names, right? God gave them the name divinely selected Jesus. The name Jesus comes from the Old Testament, Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. Because in Jesus, there is God in human flesh coming near to save us. Yes, the written word of God reveals to us who God is. But supremely in the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, do we behold the glory and grace of God. Hebrews 1 verse 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. At the end of his life, Jesus in John chapter 17 was praying to the Father, and we read this in John 17. Jesus says, I manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Think about that. Jesus didn't just talk about God, but he showed forth who God is and who he is and in what Jesus did. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. At the end of the life of our Lord Jesus, he took upon our guilt. Again, the third commandment says, God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So, beloved, in order to save us, Jesus went to the cross of Calvary to take our guilt upon himself. 
Think about this. Remember the crowds that were saying to Jesus when he entered Jerusalem, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But a few days later, that same crowd said, crucify Jesus. What were they doing? They were taking the name of the Lord in vain. Think about the the soldiers that were mocking Jesus, right? Using God's word, but mocking him as this false king, taking God's name in vain. But the first words of Jesus from the cross were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus took our guilt so that we might receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. And because Jesus was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, the scriptures say in Philippians 2, God raised him and exalted him and gave him what? The name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the name that every single human being will confess. The name of Jesus Christ. So, beloved, how do we now, by God's spirit, walk in this commandment in light of what Jesus has done for us? Well, since Jesus bears the name of God perfectly and shows us the Father, as New Covenant Christians, we are called to reflect his image. And that's what the spirit of God is working in us, the very image of Jesus. We're told in Revelation 14, verse 1, that those who worship the Lamb in heaven are those who have the name of the Son of God written on their foreheads, showing that they belong to God. How do we walk in this commandment first, beloved? We call upon and honor the name of Jesus. Apart from Jesus Christ, we bear the guilt of our sin, the guilt of breaking this commandment and the guilt of breaking the other ones. And the word of God says this in Acts 2, or sorry, Acts 4, 12. There is no other name under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. Only the name of Jesus. We have not always honored God, but the good news of the gospel that we get to share, the good news that we hold on to as Christians, is that there is true forgiveness in Jesus' name. There is life in Jesus' name. There is new beginnings in Jesus' name. When we call upon Jesus from a repentant and a believing heart, God actually changes us. And forgives us as we sing, Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. Another way that we can honor this commandment as God's people is that we honor God with our words. Jesus said, do not swear by heaven or earth, but simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a man, be a woman, of your word. And you see, we don't have to swear because we already bear God's name like that invisible tattoo in our lives. And so we should simply let our words be true and faithful as Christians. Moreover, we are to honor God with our lips and how we talk about God. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means we are to use God's name with reverence and with awe and with that sense of gravity. We're not to use God's name flippantly or irreverently or as a curse word that shows that we don't understand what it means to hollow God's name. And so we call upon and honor the name of Jesus. We honor God with our words. Third, 
We are to live as faithful representatives of Jesus Christ in this world. Acts 11, 26, we're told in Antioch is where the disciples were first called Christians. What a privilege it is to have that name as well mark us in this world, Christians. Beloved, that's who we are before we are anything else, before our political affiliations or our social status or our job titles. That is what unites all of us together, even as we confessed in this service. Dear Christian, what do you believe? To be a Christian is to be a little Christ in this world. Beloved, God has chosen to tie his name to his people. And so our behavior this week could either bring honor or dishonor to the name of God. When people know that we're Christians in the workplace or at school or in our family gatherings or at a sporting event, how we bear the name of God matters in those settings. And I want to ask you, how are you doing with that? How are you doing representing the name of Jesus in all of those spheres of life that God has placed upon you? How is the name of Jesus represented by how you carry yourself, how you speak, what you post about, what you entertain yourself with? God says we are to live as his faithful representatives on this earth, recognizing that we bear his name and we're representing him before this world. Finally, beloved, we're to walk in this command as we lift high the name of Jesus in our worship. Here are the summons of scripture once again to praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 66, verse 2, sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Psalm 103, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And from the New Testament, Colossians 3, verse 17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we are to sing and magnify the name of Jesus in our worship and in our holy living for his glory. So dear Christian and dear beloved church, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, but instead God calls you to bear his glorious name in this world that you are living in even this week, May you lift high the name of Jesus and his gospel as the only comfort for sinners, because there is power in the name of Jesus. Hebrews 13, verse 15, close with these words. Through him, that is Jesus then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Amen. Let's pray.